This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, welcome back to uh, Motor Mania, and I'm joined in the studio with Inta Shanjiada, automotive journalist, managing partner, partner at Motoring Middle East. Uh, Inta Shan, welcome. Well, I'm not, I say welcome back. You should be welcoming me back, but it's good to be back again as the team doing Motor Mania in the mornings. It is great. We're missing one. We're missing Noel, but are we missing Noel? That's something to be decided. But well, he's he's currently skiing down a hill somewhere in Armenia. Or and I hope he gets <laughs> to the bottom safely. <laughs> so, you last time I spoke to you in the studio here, your head was still spinning after the success of the Mila Milia. We've now had a bit of time to, 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 to relax and settle down. Where are we sitting now? What, what's going on? Are we, can we look forward to another one this year? Oh, the next one is absolutely happening. We're looking at 3rd to 7th of December for the new Millimilia. We're actually increasing the entries from 100 to 120 participants. And we've started taking uh, invites from people because there's been so much good feedback from people who enjoyed the event that we're really looking forward to another stunning event in December. Yeah, and I've been talking about it to you know, overseas and uh, to other people. People know about it and they're going, and they're still trying to get their head around the idea of, but hang on, it's an Italian thing and it's in the Middle East. And I say, well, it's 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 the real thing. It's it's officially licensed and these are the cars. And you, all you have to do is show them some footage and some pictures of the cars and they go, right, we get it. We want it. Well, the official video is up on our YouTube. It'll be up on our Instagram team. But honestly, I mean, Damien, you experienced it. It's like nothing else, isn't it? It's, oh. it's cars breakdowns, revving engines, it's just everything happening all at once. Like the film. I'm already I was already hooked beforehand. I'm hooked and 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 I and I'm planning to 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 somehow get involved in this one again and do it again because I want yeah, it's just I'm already thinking of a new project. Something Italian perhaps? Maybe not. Well, let's see. I'll, let, let's let's leave it. We'll, we might we might spill this out over a couple of months with uh with things I'm, I've been thinking about now that the Alpha is pretty Ooh. much done. Interesting something, something for the UAE. Yeah, I think, well, I'm not going to bring the Alfa over here. And it's a nice segue, isn't it, to your Alfa Romeo? It is indeed, yes. That's why I've been away. Um, I've been uh, working on this car. I've owned this car since I was 19. And life got in the way, as it tends to do. I moved to the UAE in 2005 and pretty much put it in the garage and left it there. Um, then I decided in 2019, I, I went home and saw the car and I saw, well, there was, there was rodent infestation through some of the electrics and through some of the brake lines. And, and I thought, oh, it's now, you've got to draw a line. Do I sell it or do I fix it? Do I fix it or flip it? <laughs> Taking my own analogies. And I thought, well, it's got to be done. So I started then to look around and start thinking, what can I do to get, get the car running? I found places doing reproduction parts, good quality, brand new um, from, from so if you can just back up a second, I think a lot of people who have old cars are often confronted with this conundrum. Where do we look after these cars? Where do we start? How do I even find places? Where did you go looking? Well, this is the thing. I mean, I've got boxes and drawers full of original old parts because they were just impossible to find new. Now there's... So just hoarded stuff, basically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a bowerbird of cars. That's what I am. Uh, but <laughs> but we've got uh, companies called Classic Alpha in the UK that builds everything. You can build an entire car. From the, from their uh, from their new parts, and then Alphaholics that do the performance side of things as well, and between those two guys, I mixed a lot together and bit of a resto mod. Then it is a, it is a bit of a resto mod. So it has modern brakes, it has modern electrics, uh, electronic ignition for the first time ever, um, drilled and ventilated disc brakes, modern tyres, and a modern suspension system. So I wanted to get the important stuff done: electrics and brakes, essentially. Haven't touched the engine really. the The differential was a 
limited slip diff I put in many many years ago. So that's strong. The gearbox is original. The engine is original. But what I've what I've, I went down the path of. I work on the theory that if the car breathes well, it'll it'll run well. So I rebuilt the carburetors, new new jets for the carburetors, all new seals, brand new original shells. But I rebuilt the carburetors, and then I also put an extractor system on it for the exhaust side. So it goes in cleanly, it comes out cleanly, um, and a new cooling system because they do tend to run a little bit hot. So. All and you the, are in Australia. Of course. And hoses, you know, the hoses were so gunked up and clogged up with over the years. Um, so, yeah, the cooling system runs beautifully now, new radiator. Um, and, and with those things and the new electrics, nose to tail. What's left? It's not like you just talked about everything on the car. Pretty much. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so is that quite intimidating? I mean, you're handy with a spanner, but to somebody who's looking at a project like that and looking for a completely neophyte hat, would this be something that somebody could tackle in their own garage or with a friend? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did it literally in in the family garage at home with with the assistance of uh, a very good friend who's who's good on this on these kind of things. A guy called Ian Openshaw back there in Australia, my brother and my nephew, who's a, a dab hand with a with a spanner as well. And between the four of us, we pretty much put the the car together in 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 one shot. My other brother also chipped in uh, on the electrical side of things. He knows more about that than I do. The only area where I sent the car away was to actually physically fit the new wiring loom, which was every wire from the front bumper to the rear bumper replaced. Nightmare stuff. Left that to the experts. But everything else, pretty much plug and play. And this is the great thing about old cars. It's just plug and play. There's no there's no onboard com- computers or ECUs or resetting things. You just screw it in with a, with a socket set and away you go. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's what I love about old cars and new cars for all their ECUs and say, but they are a lot safer. New cars are a lot safer, oh, a lot yes. more luxurious and comfortable and filled with gadgets. But something's missing sometimes as we drive these old cars, isn't it? Well, emotion. And that's the thing that I so really... So when you started up the Alpha, what was the emotion? Tell us about it. It was almost... It almost did bring a tear to my eye, I have to, <laughs> I have to say. But was, that, was that ductor a bit rusty and then suddenly all uh, the fluid no, came out? Please. No, it was just, it was just a, a, an amazing moment to get this car running. But... The big turning point, the big event was it passed its the Australian equivalent of its MOT, its registration. I'm choked up about it because getting, as we all know, passing Tasjil <laughs> in the UAE is a great moment when you have an old car. You're just like, oh, will it, will it? And it does. So yeah. it received new license plates, plates for the first time in 23 years. And, uh, and, and that got it on the road a little earlier than planned. There was probably 10 days before, two weeks before I came back here. So that allowed me to actually do something I never thought I'd be able to do. And I took it to a Cars and Coffee. I took, it to, it. I took it to a run and it got looks and admirers, which makes you feel good. Um, but it actually ran beautifully. We mixed amongst all sorts of, uh, it was a non-specific event. So there were Corvettes and there were Volkswagens and there were JDM, Japanese cars there. there were and those all are sorts the best car meets. Those are the UA specialized in is those kind of mixed car meets because nothing is more boring than a single brand car meet. 100% agree. I go off and talk to a guy about his Series 1 Mazda RX-7 rotary. Loved it. A guy with his old Holden Monaro. Loved that. People coming over, checking out the Alfa Romeo and, a, and, a, and a, an occasional Ferrari or something. We're all, we're all like-minded at the end of the day. And, uh, and you make contacts. So, you know, a lot of information I received back about the car, which is great. And that's already given me a, a, a checklist in my mind of things to do for later, later in the year. I think that's one of the great things about these kinds of events. Once you have a car, that's a passport to adventure. And once you meet somebody, you never know what you might get into next. So you just send that. Like somebody who's in a JDM Classic might go, oh, I fancy an Alpha next. Yeah. You don't just fancy the next Mazda, you fancy going completely different. And that's, I think, what you should do, isn't that? Well, that's precisely why I'm thinking with the next one, 
I'm, I don't feel I want to be typecast into the Italian Alfa Romeo mold. You'll another Alfa Romeo. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you never know. Um, an older one. But um, I'd like to experiment, try something different, go down a different path and see see what else is out there. So, But, you know, getting the car running, mixing it with, with in the traffic. You know, the thing you notice too with, with driving a, an older classic car compared to a new one is that if I didn't have my phone on me, I'd be off the grid. No one knows where you are. You're doing your own thing. You've got to keep an eye on the speed cameras there, that's for sure, because the speed is in miles per hour and it fluctuates a little bit. But um, And the response from the car, because the throttle is actually a, a cable that's connected straight to the carburetors, to the linkages, there, it doesn't go through it's, – it's not fly-by-wire. It doesn't go through a committee, does it? No, it doesn't. So you put your foot on the throttle, instant response straight away, loads of torque. And I have to say, for a car that's 54 years old, it had – 54 years More performance old. in certain areas than pretty much any new car I've driven in the last 10 years. Just to quickly skip back to the Millimilia, I was driving that beautiful Porsche courtesy of Tumini Classics, that yellow 911 Outlaw, and the response of these cars is electric. It just It's better than a shot of coffee in the morning. Mm. When you drive these cars, you're just like, wow. Uh, no modern car, honestly, I say this honestly, can compete because once you get behind the wheel and start giving it a bit of revs, it's not, you don't go that fast. Yeah. You're really not going that fast. But no. the way it makes you feel is something that you can only experience, can't even talk about. But that's exactly right. You're not going quick. So, you know, you're, you're, getting, your, you're getting enjoyment at, at, a, at, a, at a lower speed. Different style of enjoyment. It's, and as I've been saying for years, it's not all about how fast you go. It's the enjoyment It's not you about get. the numbers. Exactly. Welcome back. It's Damien Reid back in the driver's seat for Motormania, and I'm joined, of course, by Intershan Giado of Motoring Middle East. Uh, Intershan, you were saying just before that, uh, um, we were saying off-air, actually, just before you uh, went down and had a look at a couple of cars. Um, f- let's firstly get on to ele- the electric mini convertible. Yes. Tell, this me, is, tell me about this. This is something that you can't actually get. So basically, Mini is doing 999 limited open-top EV convertibles. I mean, why not, right? Uh, okay. We're talking about oof, about 190 kilometer range, and you can turn the roof, uh, pull, pull the roof down up to 18 miles per hour. It's a limited mini convertible electric car. I think it's kind of cool. Okay. I think it's kind of cool. I wish it wasn't limited, and I wish it had more range. But it's a mini. It's tiny. Where are you going to put a big battery in there? So it kind of makes sense. But to be honest, this is where a mini should be heading. Mm. Do you think it'll work in in this market? For about three months, yes. <laughs> But people yes. will buy them. I mean, people used to buy mini convertibles all the time out here. I saw them all around Media City. So there is a market for them. Mm. I kind of miss when they were manual and, you know, like little go-karts. Because these EVs will be just point and squirt things. But yeah. I'll miss the old go-kart minis. I'm sure you do too. I do. I do indeed. Uh, now, the other thing you had a very brief look at was uh, Honda made the announcement this week. And they had an, a, a, a quick little event down at the Autodrome for the, the, the ZRV. Is it the ZRV? Or the or ZRV. The Z- Nobody knows. The Honda ZRV is sort of their new HRV. So to get confusing, yeah. this is basically the one that sits below the CRV, which is sort of the big family car for around 100k upwards. The ZRV is the one that sits below 100k. I don't have pricing yet. I don't even know much about it apart from the fact that it's the HRV replacement. So, mm. two liter engine, usually CVT. Um, it's basically Civic based on needs. So, it's a Civic on stilts. Uh, so, it'll have the nice new interior from a Civic. It'll be quite comfortable. All the gadgets, CarPlay. I mean, the difference between the CRV and the ZRV are. A bit confusing because the CRV is just bigger, yeah. So a bit yeah. safer, a bit more gadgets. But these cars are basically the same thing in different sausage lengths. So pick whichever one fits your budget. And I think I'm sure it'll be a great car because the last HRV I drove is great. 
absolutely good little car. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, as we said earlier, we're talking about there's a new luxury car brand that's landed in town. It's uh, Hongxi. You might know it as being spelt as Hong Qi, but it's pronounced Hongxi. Um, this is uh, brought in by uh, Alta Kilat, a Saudi company that's now launched here in the UAE. They're rolling out the Hongxi exclusively for the local market. Uh, are you? Have you heard much about this one? I saw this at a motor show many, many moons ago, and I'm wondering when they turn up. Actually, a very big, grandiose car, sort of like yeah. seven series, but with with lots of uh, Chinese calligraphy on it. Beautiful looking things for their time, and I think they had a sense of um, what's the word for you looking at. Emotion, dare I say, they had a sense of sort of like personality that you're lacking from the latest German B7 series and S classes. They're like, well, we are Chinese and we're proud of it. So why they not? Had, they did have one at the Dubai Motor Show a few years ago. It was very presidential looking, presidential. retro style, wasn't it? Yeah, V8 too. Exactly. Probably not a V8 now, but let's see what it is. No, let's see. Well, let's hear from its CEO and Chairman, Engineer Mohammed Abdul Jawad. Um, realistic expectations for Hongxi in this market in the next five to ten years. Generally, the Chinese brands have uh, gained a lot of market share, especially in Saudi Arabia, much more than the UAE. And it's expected that a country like the UAE will catch up also because they are the largest producers in the world of cars. They are the largest users of cars in the world. There is no doubt that the Chinese will continue to grow their market share across different countries uh, as they start to concentrate on the export market as they've done in recent years. And since most of the product have really evolved into a world uh, standards, uh, most of the manufacturers have uh, technical or they were building product for uh, international makes. And I believe now with the introduction of their own brands into international market, their standards are very much to what are the leading automotive manufacturers around the world. Yes, yeah, so on top of that, we also spoke to Sheng Zhang, who's the director of Hongxi Middle East, about the design and the level of luxury that the brand wants to compete in in this market. Even though the uh, designs, uh, RD Center is uh, run by the you know, Chinese team, but also we employed some international masters, such as uh, Mr. Jadis Tyler, who was ex-Rolls-Royce design director. So he joined Hongxi, and the purpose is to give the Chinese language to the international people, customers, make sure they also understand the oriental beauty and luxury, not only understand by the Chinese customer. If I may say it's more towards to a BMW and Mercedes-Benz level, yeah, this is the uh, segment we focus on. And also according to the MIAC, we always look at these figures with the luxury segment, compare ourselves with these competitors. Also like Lexus, uh, Genesis, these are Honchi's direct competitions. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye at BMW and Lexus. You looks like you have a new competitor in town. Now, one of the questions that we always get about this kind of thing, and, and that's pretty much what fills our first hour of Motormania, is after sales and service and how to keep the cars on the road. Well, let's have a listen to what they say about after sales. The after sales services, I think, were the best so far in GCC market because Honshu offers seven years unlimited kilometre warranty from the factory to the GCC. If you buy a car in Saudi Arabia or in UAE, you can drive to any other GCC countries and you will enjoy the warranty and after-sales services from us. And that's, I think, is the uh, unique point compared to our competitors and make us very outstanding in the market. 
So, as you'd expect, they're going to roll out quite a lot of EVs. That's the, the Chinese market is the world's largest market for electric vehicles. So, to introduce four new products into the GCC market next year, they're going to include a series of sedans, SUVs, and of course, electric vehicles. We have a large size electric SUV called uh, EHS9. And we have a small sedan called the EQM5 we're busy with, uh, will be introduced to UAE market very soon. And in the future, uh, Hongqi is going to be very heavily investing in the uh, electric product development. We're going to introduce at least 10 electric new models in the next three years. And we're aiming to sell 1 million units in 2025 and 50% of it must be the electric vehicles. So that's the vision. And we are aiming to bring Hongqi also as a new energy vehicle brand uh, recognized by the customer in the world. Yeah, very ambitious targets, particularly with electric vehicles. Uh, I guess that's going to put a bit of pressure on the uh, the industry on this side of the fence to make sure that there's plenty of charging points because uh, the Chinese don't do things by halves when it comes to that. And as I said, biggest electric vehicle market in the world. But he also talked about their new model that's been launched in the UAE. It's called the Osado. And uh, I've seen I've seen one in the showroom, actually. Um, it's already here. So let's have a listen to what they say about the new Osado. According to MIAC, which is the Middle East uh, standard, it should be categorized under the E segment because the size is big. Uh, it's close to 5 meter overall length. It's a sedan and the uh, engine is 2.0 liter turbo and the transmission is 8-speed automatic uh, transmission. So this product, the unique point is we add lots of luxury features into the car. For instance, for the flagship version, for the driver's seat, you enjoy the uh, massage function while you are driving and you have the uh, heads-up display uh, and memory seat and we have CarPlay, Android Auto, and we have a central screen where the size is very uh, recognizable. You will see in the car makes the different feeling uh, for the customers. The price in UAE, uh, the lower version we call the luxury is 109,000. The uh, upper version we call them uh, flagship is 115,900 uh, dirham. Yeah, so that was uh, Sheng Zhang, the director of Hongxi Middle East, talking about the, uh, the the new Hongxi brand that's being launched into this region. In particular, he was just talking about the new Osado. Uh, now, at the Zhang, he said he predicts that Hongxi is going to be in the top five brands in the luxury vehicle segment. But get this, they aim to be in the top three right across the GCC. That's going to be an interesting ask. I'll tell you what, he got my attention when he said those prices, 109 and 115 mm. for the price of a lower spec, say Camry for lack of a better choice. You're getting a luxury car with all the trimmings and massage functions. I think that's a hard combo to beat. And look at that warranty. Obviously, we'd like to not see that warranty put to the test, but it's a peace of mind thing, isn't it? If you're going from Riyadh to you know Abu Dhabi, off you go. You know for sure the car's going to be looked after. I think it's going to be difficult to establish itself in the luxury market initially. Mm. So the way to get there is going to be at the sort, do the same thing that Genesis did. Sponsor big sporting events, etc. And get into spaces where people with luxury tastes like to live. And when you start seeing that Hong Chi branding everywhere, you'll know that they're on the right track. And I'm sure they're already working on that immediately. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they're going to set those pricing points or how they come to those pricing points because when you look at it, as you say, just over 100,000 dirhams, 109,000 dirhams thereabouts, um, that's not a whole lot more than, say, MG, which is another Chinese manufacturer, is selling their electric vehicle for, which is in a different category. It's a, it's a, it's a lower category. So, uh, you know, we're talking China v. China in terms of, of, of uh, Yeah, but cars, won't their but competition be each other? 
that's not necessarily is, the uh, Japanese or the Koreans. This is exactly what I'm, I'm sort of starting to think. And this now makes me think about other Chinese manufacturers now to start to think about where their pricing points are coming. Because if you get a new player coming in who brings us a luxury car that's that's just a couple of thousand dirhams more than an entry-level hatchback, even though it's a, you're paying for the EV architecture in that one, um, they're, they're going to start uh, yeah, working on competing against each other as Chinese manufacturers in this Surely market. Surely the consumer wins. If they've all got warranties as long as you arm, and they've all got a very generous level of standard equipment, the, only the consumer wins. And however... However, they may not like it. The other manufacturers will just have to move up market. Like Honda sort of raises prices, Toyota mm. raises prices because you simply can't compete at this level with the level of what you're getting. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's uh, all the news about the new Chinese manufacturer, Hongxi, that's entering the market. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, Motor Media with you through until noon on this beautiful Saturday morning. And uh, now we're going to be talking about uh, some pretty, pretty cool stuff that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I'm talking about carculture.ae. And I'm joined in the studio with Imp Chanjado and myself by Daniel Price. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, how are you? Well, very well, thanks. Very well, thanks. Now, firstly, before we go on to all this, just tell us straight out, what is car culture? So um, we're actually a website that was kind of started seven years ago now, I think, or maybe eight years ago. Um, and originally we used to go to every single car event and uh, a lot of motorsport events. And we would uh, take photos and then write about them and publish it on our website. So we still kind of do that. Um, but we've had a real big issue recently because there haven't been many events. So that was kind of a time to kind of reset and and. and look at things in a different way slightly but um things now have obviously got a lot better and more busy especially since november since we've had the mask mask lift lifted so uh yeah and uh, we also do do our own events i guess and that's why i'm sat here today yeah so so how has the uh the car culture scene changed since since you since you established yourself i mean even i've, I've been here 14 years and in 14 years it's dramatically changed in, in my eyes i believe that the the growth of social media has, has has helped that um so uh so you know now there's so many more groups of people or support for different types of cars whereas before you know you go to an event you either have like very 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 big scale events that happen like once a year <clears throat> or you'll get like one or two small events now every single weekend the, someone's having a club drive or someone's having a coffee meet or there's like a really really big meet so um you know like for me it's definitely changed a, a lot it's a little more intimate now perhaps with the uh, with multiple sort of car club of uh, coffee type runs yeah i think people just find find it easier to connect with each other now through social media so and i think it's much easier to promote events through social media now as well yeah yeah what what are some of the the, the big events you've done in the past so actually as car culture we used to run an event uh which i think started in 2018 um called made um and that ran for three years and it got really, really big. And the last show that we did was February the 24th, uh, 2020. So at that time, we had guests flying in. Mm. I remember COVID, people were talking about right it. About saying, then, we think yeah. we might shut the airports. And we were like, this is different. And then I think three or four weeks later, we went into lockdown. Yeah. So, and that was the bar, one small, we kind of did like a, a small event at Cafe Rider, which was kind of like we just invited our friends and it was a JDM only event um, d during COVID because 
this was after one of the uh, rules were lifted where you could have a few more people um, being together. But since then, we haven't actually done anything. We've been present at other people's events, some of our friends' events, but this will be the first event that we are going to do since COVID. Fantastic. Well, the great news is is that uh, Motormania is going to be broadcasting live yes. from outside the studio, outside these these humble walls for the first time um, that we're going into what they call an outside broadcast situation. And uh, it's going to be at your event, Car Cultures, Car Cultures Custom Car Festival, that's happening down at the Media One Hotel. Now, that's going to be on the 4th of March, and it's yep. called Offset. Tell us, tell us about Offset. What's, what can we expect when we come down? So it will be a little bit different from uh, from other events. This is actually like, uh, we kind of say limited numbers, and I think we're going to be around the, the 100 uh, car mark. Um, and the way, way we do things a little bit different is, is that, like, you have to apply to get into the show. And also the type of styling of, uh, of, of the cars that we accept is, is, is a little bit different from what you would normally see. So... Um, and that kind of look does very, very well on Instagram. So the whole show is kind of, unfortunately, built around Instagram for me. So we, we actually lay the cars out very differently. We don't line them all up in a row. I think you can fit 300 cars in the actual space that we're using, but we'll only put 100 cars in it. And also we have mm. other activations going on around it as well. But the whole, the whole way that we used to run our previous show, which was called Made and we've now rebranded, was that anyone can come in with their mobile phone and take a good picture because of the way the cars are laid out. We also ha- also use venues that are not in direct sunlight. So, you know, <clears throat> when you have direct sunlight, photos and videos don't look very good, right? Mm. So, But when sunset comes, they look great. So this is actually in uh, Media, Media One's uh, multi-story car park. They have a live venue which sits right at the top, which is called P7 Arena. And we're taking that level and two other floors as well. Fantastic. So, so yeah. So it, it really is social media has changed the way that you do these events now. Um, what, what sort of um, limitations do you put on people who want to bring their cars down? You're saying that you're, you're, you're effectively selecting the cars? Yes. So and, and basically it just comes down to their styling as well because we look at all the, the other big shows that are around the region and they cater to other types of styling of cars. So this actual kind of movement was very niche when we started to do our show back in 2018. And some people will say it's called called stance, but basically it means that the cars, most of the cars are relatively low to the ground and they have wheels that fit very, very nicely. Um, so like different wheels. But it's not, a, it's not like a full, full custom where people are painting their cars crazy, putting Lambo doors on your car. This is like a very, very tasteful way of modification. And you can also do it to, so I think our oldest car that will be there will be a 1950s Cadillac. Okay. And then we'll also have, you know, this styling works on every every single type of car that's available in the market. So we'll have like you know new supercars there as well, and everything else in between. Mm. So what what, what can uh, people expect to see there and and uh, to do other than is there other things other than the, than the cars on display? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So and this is the reason for why we we really like working with Media One that the venue has given us a lot more. So we're actually having uh, we always wanted to kind of like. Um, have an art element to the show mm. <clears throat> and with it with this year we're actually having live graffiti artists come down and paint and then we also have a section where graffiti dubai are going to allow anyone to come and try try graffiti and they're actually using water-based paint so you know it's very very safe for anyone that wants to try that um and we also have um 
street dancing competition that's happening there as well. We have live entertainment throughout the day on different levels and on P7 we will run till quite late in the evening as well. And we're also doing a, a photography trophy. So anyone, this is amateur, anyone that wants to come in with their iPhone, take a photo. We will choose the best photo, the most creative photo, um, and we will hand out an award on the main stage at 7 p.m. in the evening. Um, and we also have RC drifting. We have a skate zone, which is um, held by Rage Skateboarding. So you can come and uh, skate or BMX. So there's multiple different cultures. So it's kind of based around the, the, the street kind of culture. Amazing. In the Shan, you're, you're, uh, you've got plenty of experience in, in hosting and organising car type events from whether it be the Mille Mille or going back to the Motoring Middle East, massive car shows. I mean, how things have changed since you started doing this? Oh, it's an absolute sea change. It's a completely different world now. I and mean, when we were doing it back in the early 10, 2010s, it was an umbrella style event. I think Flat 12 has taken that baton and really taken to the next level with the massive grand picnic they had a few weeks ago. That was absolutely sensational. But now I think there is a room and a need from the market for events like Offset where you basically have the niche cultures allowed to represent, etc. And you need to have these various shows because at the end of the day, with the biggest car shows in the UAE, you cannot accommodate everybody in one space anymore. Mm. You simply can't. You can't have the off-road guys. You can't have the stance guys. You can't have the vintage guys. Because you can only have a limited selection of each. And the way that we can really see the full breadth of the culture or the curated side of the culture of what Dan Price is doing is to essentially create a zone where we can go and see those cars. And I'm really looking forward to it because this is what I said car show should always be. It should be a day out where everybody can go and enjoy themselves. But this is what I like, Daniel. This is what I like about the, the car culture is that we've all got different tastes. We've all got different different specialities. But at the end of the day, and we're just saying this before the ad break, we're talking about the classic cars. It brings people together to try different things and have a look at you know different concepts and, and everything else. And this is something that's, that, thanks to, to, to people like yourselves with carculture.ae, have actually flourished and, and nurtured this kind of uh, uh, um, interest in, in cars of all different styles. I think we're, we're incredibly lucky here and very, very different to, to, to other countries and other, other, other cultures is the fact that the car scene... Although it's grown massively, we are still kind of small. So you would find that like everyone integrates with each other, which is really good. So if there is a is an event, people will come down and support it. So and I know in other countries, people are like, I won't go to that event because I don't like that type of car. Mm. Here, I think we're very lucky that everyone comes out to support. And, you know, our, our community is quite tight and, and, and very close. So, and I think that's, as, as we've grown, that's still managed to stay there. So I know there'll be people that will come that don't necessarily like like that styling of a car, but they're coming down to enjoy the event to see, to see how everything's going. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're very, very lucky in this region to have that. I disagree, actually. I would yeah. say you come down and check out some really cool-looking cars that are like unlike anything you've ever seen, right? These are the kind yes. of... You're taking what is often sometimes humble cars and transforming them into art projects. Yes, I think art is probably the, the right way to say this, and that's why it's linked to... A lot of the guys are into this, you know, like art culture as well and street culture that, that comes with this type of styling mm. of car. Um, and I guarantee you... So, like, I have a few of these cars, and I'm very friendly with a lot of the owners here. If you drive them around the city, they get way more attention than any supercar or hypercar because it just is very, very, very different. 
fantastic stuff. Well, as we announced earlier, Motormania will be broadcasting live from Media One Hotel on the 4th of March. Um, we're going to bring the entire show there, including Fix It or Flip It. Naz Chowdhury is coming down there. And, of course, we've got all the news roundups with Shannon Noel Ebden down there as well for uh, for this car show. Daniel Price from carculture.ie. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very, very much for having me, and I'll see you on the 4th. Yes, Motormania with you through until midday. Damien Reid in the hot seat for the first time in a couple of couple of shows, in fact, and uh, joined by Intershan Giotto in the studio. Intershan, we've got a text message in saying uh, some really cool art created by our technicians at Altaya Motors. So I'm guessing this person you might know is from Altaya. Uh, from automotive scrap material um, on display in their Sheikh Zayed Road showrooms. Okay, let's let's read it out. Next to Times Square, um, do come down and have a look. Um this thanks. will be from our good friend Sony, thanks, who, Sony. Are, who runs communications there. And to be honest, thanks for the heads up because I've seen some of the art. It's really cool and it's really interesting. So go and have a look at it. Yeah, I've had a look at some uh, some stuff there uh, or that, that kind of art before. And I'll, I will pop my head down and have a look at this art they make out of scrap metal. Fantastic stuff. Uh, so a few little things in the news this week. Cameras to monitor kids in school buses. Parents can now monitor their children while commuting to and from school thanks to cameras installed in school buses. Sharjah's private school regulator has ordered the school buses to install safety devices and cameras inside 2,000 buses serving private schools in the Emirate. Around 3,250 bus drivers and supervisors were also given safety training. Uh, cameras hey, in school feelings. buses. What are your thoughts on that one? I know, I know it dragged up a lot of interest during the week on the agenda here on Dubai Eye as well. Look, as someone who experienced a lot of things like bullying in school buses back in the day, I think it's a good thing to have more monitoring. I'm not just so sure it should be parents and cameras. I think kids go through a lot of unpleasant experiences, but they should have also some spaces to just develop on their own without being watched all the time. Mm. But how far is too far I think it's a great initiative I think it's from a Sashar's point of view it's a no-brainer to have more safety and have more options but should your parents be watching your kids the whole time it makes sense when they're four I, mean, yeah. I, I say this as somebody with zero kids but when they're in their teens they, they need to be watched all the time they need some space to develop away from you but that's not what parenting is about now these days is it it's a tough one isn't it because you've got you've got the stage where yes there is a safety concern um, but then there's also you do have to let you do have to let your children grow and get on their own two feet and and you know be away from the from the parenting situation knowing that your parents are keeping an eye on you on their on their mobile phone i have friends i met in school buses from 30 <laughs> years ago that i'm still friends with right yeah. and i'm not sure i would have been if my mom was watching a camera exactly. or something talking about but yeah yeah, so some interesting stuff there. Also interesting, that's uh, that's coming out, um, well, not coming out, the, the season is kicking off again. One of my other pet loves, Formula One. It's back for 2023, um, starting this weekend with uh, pre-season testing in Bahrain, and then we're on to round one straight after that. 23 races with four in this region alone that kicks off with round one in Bahrain on March 5. And then, of course, we also have the race in Saudi Arabia uh, two weeks later on March 19. Qatar returns to the championship starting a 10-year deal that kicks off on October 8. And then we wrap it all up again with the season finale here in Abu Dhabi on November 26. So a huge Middle Eastern presence this year. Uh, one thing I noticed with all the, the cars were launched this week, and one of the things I noticed is that black is the new black for Formula One. It's a commentator's nightmare. <laughs> The reason they're doing it... A very specific problem for you. <laughs> it's not, not the viewers. It will. Mistakes will be made in the first race, I can guarantee it. Um, 
the reason they're doing it is to save weight. How much weight could they possibly they be saving? They simply don't put paint on, on as cars. Well, could it start a trend? We start stripping the paint from our cars? Well, to give to give you an idea, uh, Mercedes uh, they're they're going they've dropped the silver. They're going back to the black that they had the year before last, um, and they're saving two point seven kilograms. Two point seven kilograms just in paint. So that gives you an idea of that. Uh, the other one is that uh, Ford made an announcement. They're coming back to Formula One in twenty twenty six with Red Bull. So we're going to see a, a potential situation for the first time ever in the history of Formula One. Ford versus General Motors, because it hasn't Never happened been, before. It hasn't it? been confirmed yet. The, the, the rumors are out there. The talk was out there. The, in fact, uh, um, an unofficial announcement was even made that uh, General Motors would enter Formula One in 2026 with Andretti Racing, a new team, Cadillac using the Racing. Cadillac branding. Exactly. Now, that hasn't been ratified or accepted by the other teams yet. Oh, there's been some lovely pushback, hasn't they there? They don't like they sharing don't like the, the idea. pie. But not just Ford versus GM, Ford versus Ferrari. Yes, exactly. Ford Ford v Ferrari back in. Speaking of which, Ferrari had their shakedown at Fiorano this week. Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, they liked it. New boss, Freddy Vasseur from Salvo, replaces Matteo Bonotto. They haven't won a title since 2007 with Kimi Raikkonen. But they've sold a lot of caps and T-shirts in the meantime, so they really <laughs> need the to start With the biggest markup, I can yes. tell you. Yeah. Um, they, uh, if, if they don't claim either the constructors or the driver's title this year. This is their longest ever drought in Formula One. So a in lot history? of pressure in history on on uh, Ferrari to, to, to get back up and do that. Uh, also a lot of pressure on Mercedes-Benz. Um, the Lewis Hamilton going for his eighth title. They finished third last does year. Does he still have it in him? What do you think? I think he does. I think he's now energised by, by the, the the failure of last year, and I think he's he's energised to to get back out. I, I, he's going to sign another contract, and I can't believe it because I still look at Lewis as being one of the new guys in a sense. But it'll be his last contract in Formula One, and I believe that he's going to stay with Mercedes till the end of his career. So that's news that we're hearing. Um, now they had the shakedown at Silverstone yesterday. And one of the things I noticed, and it's not good news for Mercedes fans is that the driver's head was still bobbing up and down like a, like a bobble doll. And That's that not is, how it's supposed to be, right? No, they've still got that porpoising issue that, uh, that, that plagued them last year. They also lost a big sponsor last year, if you remember, FTX Crypto. The, the big one that went down was a, was a big contributor to the coffers. So they've been replaced now by an AI company. And this is the thing, AI companies... Are, are everywhere. Are the new, start writing our are reviews. The new golden ring for, for F1 sponsors. There's a few out there. So... Um, Yes, that's all uh, uh, kicking off. Nico Hockenberg is back. He replaces Mick Schumacher at Haas. Mick Schumacher is now the reserve driver for Mercedes. Um, Williams, new team boss with James Vowles, who was the ex-strategic director at Mercedes-Benz. If you remember the infamous radio call uh, to Valtteri Bottas, Valtteri, this is James. Step aside, let Lewis through to win. It's that James. So he's now the boss of Williams. Um, now, Williams, because they're owned by an investment company, Doralton Capital, have brought in a lot of new sponsors. Duracell on the airport, Gulf Oil, a new sponsor. Gulf joined after ending its sponsorship at McLaren. That Gulf Oil? Yes, that Gulf Oil. Oh, wow. Um, and their first American driver in Logan Sargent since 2016. He replaces Nicholas Latifi. Incidentally, Logan Sargent is our second UAE graduate on the Formula 1 grid for this year because uh, Oscar Piastri, the new boy at McLaren that's replaced Daniel Ricciardo, also competed here in the... Uh, 
in the FIA UAE Formula 4 Championship. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happening in Formula 1, and that all kicks off uh, the, w- the racing the weekend after next in Bahrain. And uh, quick plug for, for myself and Phil Anton, you'll catch it all on Saudi Sports SSC2. We'll commentate all of the 23 races this year um, live on TV. And uh, that's where we are. Um, the Shan, thank you so much again for joining us. That's great to be here as always. I think next week I'll have my thoughts on the Jeep Wrangler 392 for you at the next one when we do it from the Custom Car Culture Show at Media One. Yeah, fantastic. Looking forward to that. And of course, yes, we will be broadcasting our first ever live broadcast from Media One Hotel uh, at the the carculture.ie event. Fix it or flip it. Now, I'll tell you what, I've missed this adrenaline-filled hour. It's got me going right back into the uh, the deep end of the show. Uh, so tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth, and this is how it works. I've got to remind myself now. It's easy. We need as many details as we can about your car. We need the make, we need the model, we need the year, the colour, the mileage, anything else that uh, that you can give us on this car, and uh, that will add to the ability for us to give you an accurate value on that car. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And joining me in the studio again is Naz Chowdhury. Now, he's an automotive entrepreneur who, I'll tell you what, who does not pull punches. He'll give you an accurate figure, that's for sure, when it comes to doling out unbiased views on cars. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Very good, thanks, mate. Very, very, very good. So now I'll return the favour and say it's good to have you back, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I have missed being in the chair. And I've got to say, too, by the way, a massive thanks to Tom Urquhart for uh, for stepping in while I was away over the break and to to yourself and Noel Ebden and Imtian Jada for uh, for, for carrying the can over over the break. Always a pleasure. Fantastic. So uh, you've, how have you been? What's uh, what, what's what's new in uh, Naz's world? Uh, just enjoyed a week off with the kids. Back at school now tomorrow. So uh, hopefully we can get some stability back in life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting that way, isn't it? Now we're already into midterm breaks already. Yeah, exactly. The kids. Time is really uh, I can't flying. believe when Ramadan is just around the corner. Um, this year is already. We're already in full oh, swing. That would be interesting doing this on Ramadan time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll we'll see how to that change the timings goes. of the show or something. <laughs> Well, let's get straight into it. Um, let's start off with, uh, we got a text message here from Amar, and it's a Jeep Cherokee. It's a 2007 model with 170,000 kilometres. It's gold in colour. He says it's great condition. Um, wants to get an idea on the on the value. 170,000 kilometres, though. Uh, that's what, what, do you, what are yeah, your thoughts? Uh, Amar, it, there is a description. It depends on a couple of things which haven't been mentioned in this. So there's the engine size. Is it the V6? Is it yeah. the V8? Uh, what's the service history like? Uh, what's the paintwork like? So just just as a reminder, the more information you have, the more accurate I can do this. Um, you know, assuming it's a V6, I'd say around twenty five to twenty eight thousand dirhams. If it was the V8, slightly more. Uh, but again, just give us more information, guys, so we can really give you more accurate pricing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've got um, older off-road vehicles like the Cherokee, because we want to know whether you've taken them off-road, whether you've been using them, whether you've, uh, these cars are open to so many modifications exactly, that you can yeah. do for off-roading with suspension kits and wheels and tyres. That's that's all Imtashan's wheelhouse. He'll, he'll go on for hours about what you can <laughs> do to off-roading vehicles. Um, and that all makes a massive difference to the value of your car, the value that we can give you anyway. Um We've got another one here from uh, from Stuart. Now, he's got an Audi Q5. It's a 2016 model. It's white. It's got a fair few kilometres, 240,000 kilometres, but says it's still running well and, importantly, has no accidents. Uh, again, great car. There's a, there's a big difference if it's the S-Line or not. Um, if it's not the S-Line, it's probably worth around 40,000 dirhams. If it does have the S-Line trim, 
maybe 45 to 48 uh, for, for the guys out there. The S line's got the bigger wheels, the little S on the side, little uh, spoilers around the side and things like that. So the S line's a lot more desirable, especially on the used cars. Yeah. Do, is, is, do you think it's in, it's worth thinking ahead? When you're going in to purchase the car new, to actually go and think about the resale and go for the, for instance, like an S-Line if you can. Or 100%. That's going yeah. to come back and help you later on. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay fork more up front and mm. you get less later on. So let's say, for example, if you were to go into to buy a new Audi now, the difference between an S-Line and a non-S-Line, maybe 30,000, 35,000 dirhams. But if you're going to keep the car seven or eight years, it's only going to add 10,000 to the difference. So yeah. having that S-Line in this particular instance will still cost you. Yeah, um, but it just makes it more desirable to sell. Probably costs a little bit more in maintenance as well because you know, with the sportier trims and things like that, you have low profile tires. So over the mm -hmm. years, you may have to change the tires once or twice, and they'll cost a little bit more as well. Uh, but it's always better to get the as more options as possible. That's mm -hmm. the better way to do things. Yeah. For sure. Uh, now, here's a car that always uh, gets interest from anywhere you want to talk about, the old Toyota Land Cruiser. This is from Mark. It's a 2015 a VXR. It's pearl white. It's ticking all the boxes so far. Yeah. 150,000 kilometres, 5.7 litre V8, um, full Alpha Tame service history, accident-free. Naz, this is just sounding better the more I read about yeah, it. Yeah, honestly, and this is like I feel the backbone of Dubai. I think everyone's been at a Land Cruiser, you know, whether it's been on a desert safari or friends picked you up. It is a very desirable car, a very, very strong used car market as well. I don't think you'll have any trouble selling this car, Mark. In terms of pricing, it is fairly competitive because there's a few out there, but I'd say 130, 135,000 dirhams is, is what you want to advertise it for. And with with the full service history of Fatim, I think that'll fly out the door. Yeah, for sure. Now, we're going to go to the line now. We've got Rusty on the line. Good morning, Rusty. Morning. Hi, guys. Rusty, you've got uh, you've got a topic here that is an absolute hot potato when we talk about off-roading. Uh, you've got a Land Rover Defender, but you've ordered an Ineos, uh, that's the, the Grenadier that's coming out next year. Firstly, tell me about the Defender you've got that you're looking to sell. Yeah, I got one originally. It's a 2021 P300. I've done 40,000 in it, but the plan was to sell that and pick up the uh, Grenadier, but there's a delay on delivery, and I'm just wondering what's the best thing to do. Well, look, you, you, you're, in a, you're in the good seat anyway. Um, the, uh, the, the Grenadier, yeah, like a lot of new cars, it has been held back with supply issues and various other things, but it is, it's been launched officially, and uh, it's definitely coming. Uh, do, have you had a chance to, to get down to Adamas and, and, and get behind the wheel of a, of a pre-production car at all, or have a, have a good yeah, chat? I, I, yeah, they had a pre-production. I haven't taken one out. Um, no, my name was down probably top 50. I don't know. I think they're bringing 100 in, but... It's sketchy as to when they're going to arrive. So, mm. yeah, and you're you're a bit of an off-roader. You're, you're you're going to uh, to take this out in the desert? Uh, probably not until it's a few months old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had a discussion with the defender. My wife said you're not taking a brand new defender into the desert. So I've just started taking it in now. It's two years old. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, probably the same. Yeah. Um, Naz, what are your thoughts on yeah. the, uh, the the P300 Defender? Yeah. Uh, sorry, very quickly. Is it the two-door or the four-door variant? The, the 90 it's or 110? Yeah, the four-door, yeah. It's the, the four-door, door, so it's the full fat. Sorry, that does make a difference on pricing. You know, I always find it strange because, you know, you buy these four-by-fours for the simple purpose of what they've been built for, which is going off-roading. But, you know, when they're so yeah. new, you just don't want to take them out, do you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of defies the point. Um, 
So look, if it's the if it's the hundred and ten, the mileage is slightly on the higher side. I haven't seen one at thirty five thousand kilometers, so it has been driven well. It's been brilliant, by the way. I know when you go on some of these um, forums and people say there's going to be issues, I have no problem with that at all. With it, it's had three services. I love driving it. And, yeah. Uh, yes. I'd say I'd say the price today is probably worth somewhere around three hundred and thirty, three hundred and forty thousand dirhams somewhere there. Um, really, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, what's happened in the past two years, in the past eighteen months, with the shortage of cars and the backlog from Altair, especially with these defenders yeah. when they came in. In fact, when these things first came out, they were selling at a premium. Mm. I mean, that's yes. how much demand there was. You have to remember the history of Defender, right? This thing has not changed. It's been the same brick for the past forty odd years, if not more. And then all of a sudden they came out with this new design and people were falling head over heels, paying a premium for them. And now Altair is finally like trickling with a new stock and things like that. But because there was so much pent up demand, they haven't depreciated. Right. Yeah. So I don't need to sell it now in the hopes that the Grenadier arrives. I can hold on to it for probably six months at least it's going to be, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd definitely say that. I mean, there is one thing. There's probably a slight dip towards the summer months, June, July, August. Yeah. So, you know, you've got... The next six, eight weeks, really, until the end of Ramadan, where the market's on fire. As schools go out, the demand goes yeah. down a little bit. And then if you can just hold off till September, which is when your new car comes in anyway, you'll see that demand spike back up again. Great. Thanks for your advice, Chris. Yeah, I'd like to ask you, though, Rusty. Um, so you said that you uh, you purchased the, the, the Defender with the with the idea to, to get the Ineos a little later on. Is that correct? Well, no, I bought it and then I saw the, the hype about the Ineos and put my name down. I thought it was going to arrive sort of at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. But I had no plans to get rid of the Defender. And the idea was to maybe have both and get rid of one of them, but I don't know. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, interesting. That, so so now that you've, you're one of the few people that, that's, uh, that, that's put their money down for both of the cars. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Well, I mean, what's, what, were the, what were the things that swayed you towards Ineos and what were the things that made you think, oh, I'm going to buy a, uh, a Defender to start with? Well, I've, I've always wanted the new Defender, but it would have been nice if it looked more like the old Defender, which I've had before. Mm. Ah, okay, and just yes. following up what Jim Ratcliffe has done, and there's, there's a lot of you know, decent company behind it, but it is a bit of an experiment, the brand new car company. <laughs> it is indeed, and and I totally get your point there. I, I drove the had the new Defender uh, back in Australia for for a couple of months last year, and uh, yeah, I mean, I the more, and I'm sure you'd agree, the more you, you you drive and live with it, the more it comes back to you. But it is, and I say this to everyone, it's a very different beast to the Ineos Grenadier, and a very different beast to what the previous Defender was. It's uh, it's kind of it's not the hose out car that the old Defenders were, and that's where I think. Um, this is where I think Ineos is going to fill that gap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone loves the old Defender. A friend of mine, he's getting them here and, and shipping back to the States. Because anything over 25 years, he can do it. But having driven a Defender, the old one, you wouldn't want to live more than five kilometers away from where you're going. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Honestly, right. if it's a beach house, no problem, fine. But you couldn't, I, I couldn't live with one here as a daily car. Yeah. No, no, I think you prefer the performance of, uh, of, of the Grenadier and the modern, modern bits and pieces. Yeah. Well, look, thank, thanks so much, Rusty, for, for your input. And, um, yeah, keep us posted on how you go with, uh, with, with the Grenadier. Yeah, great advice. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much. And uh, do what Rusty has done. You can send us a text on 4001 or via the ARN Play app. Um, another text message has come through for you, Naz. It's a Nissan Patrol. It's a 2015 model. Uh, it's a V8 SE, 160,000 kilometres, and uh, he's looking for a value on that one. You see, now this is an interesting one because it's very similar to the Land Cruiser, right? So somebody in 2015 would have had the option of a Toyota Land Cruiser 
or Nissan Patrol, mm. you know, both as in the previous text yes, as well, yeah. were both, you know, the full trim option. They've both reached 150,000 kilometers now. They're obviously not at the end of their line, but they they want to be sold now. So we went back to the Land Cruiser, which we said was, if I'm not mistaken, 130,000, 135,000 yeah. dirhams. The Patrol, on the other hand, has taken a bit more of a beating. So in yes. terms of pricing, we're looking at eighty to 90,000 dirhams. So... Yeah, it's always worth planning ahead to look at the depreciation cost because mm. somebody in 2015 had both these options in front of them and they went for the patrol and now they're taking a 50 grand hit as a result. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But having said that, I guess with the 2015 patrol, with the new patrol that's now out... That's had a big bearing on the prices. Or, it has, for yeah. it has, but there are um, a strong uh, a group that still prefer the previous body for, for, for off-roading and for... Uh, the ability to modify and and to yeah, yeah. and to upgrade yeah. the cars, which the the newer one is uh, is not as inclined to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, Nissan Patrol. The I don't remember the name of the shape. The, the, the early nineties, if I'm not mistaken. They, uh, so they we, still the run GQ. That, yeah, they still yeah. run that one today, don't they? GQ and, and, and the Land MQ Cruiser have that. that. Yeah, and yeah. Toyota have that as well. They have one of their pickups. The it's called the Land Cruiser seventy six series. Yes. And you look at it, and if you don't know, you think right, this thing's twenty five years old. It's about to fall apart. They still build them now. It's like 2021, 22, 22 models. Well, I can tell you right now. I mean, uh, <laughs> it for, is 76 a, series is called, right? Yeah, big demand from in Australia from the farming community back really? there. There is a seven-year waiting list on that body in a pickup You're truck, and they've, and they've closed the books. They're, wow. just, they're just not doing anything wow. with it at the moment. So still a lot of demand for- Manufacturers, listen to this. Take note. There's, there's something about the demand for the older cars. Look at the last conversation wow. now, right? This, this is a diehard off-roader. And he prefers the older Defender, and that's where I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe <laughs> might be on. Uh, might be onto a good yeah, thing exactly. with with the with so the Ineos. Yeah. Fix it or flip it. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. This is how it works. This is we need as many details as we can from you. We need the make, we need the model, the year, the colour, the mileage at the very minimum. Anything else you've got, please tell us about it, and we can uh, give you a very accurate summation on the car based on that information. Send them to four double zero one or via the ARM Play app. And of course, I'm joined in the studio as usual by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury. He's uh, live here in the studio, ready to take your calls. So get that number now because. Things, as traditionally we find out, Naz, get busy in the second half of the it's show. Crazy, it starts it? to ramp up, doesn't it? 10.40, 10.45, the last 20 minutes, I lose my breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we like go. panting. <laughs> now, we've got, uh, we've got a message here from, uh, from Has- Hasnan has texted in. Uh, Hasnan has a BMW 2002 E46 330Ci uh, convertible. It's the six-cylinder, of course, being the 330. It's red, 250,000 kilometres. Uh, now, as he says, it runs a little rough in the mornings, <laughs> as, as we all do when you get a quarter of a million Ks under the belt. Uh, but then after a good warm-up, it runs smoothly through the day. Also says that the convertible roof latch is stuck. Mm. Should he dispose of it? Or is it worth the repair costs of around 2,500 dirhams? It's a tough one. I mean, the first thing has seen is, this car will not depreciate any lower than where it, where it yeah. is today. So yeah. whether you keep it another year or two, it's not going to change in price. The only thing you have to consider is obviously the maintenance cost. Um, in terms of pricing today, you know, there is still demand for these old BMs out there. Yeah. There's the, the, you know, the young generation that want to jump in, drive a convertible, their first car. You know, they grew up looking at these cars. I'd still think you can fetch around fifteen to twenty fifteen thousand dirhams. Now here's an interesting one, Damien. Mm. Uh, remember we talked about the Land Cruiser and the the, uh, the uh, Prado, P- and we said it's P- Patrol, Patrol, sorry, and we yeah. said it's right to buy the best car. And the S Line example. Yes, with this yeah, particular yeah, yeah. car, has name. Whoever bought this car knew 
Um, I should imagine you should have paid 190, 200,000 dirhams back in the day. Yeah. If you paid 30, 35,000 dirhams more for the M3 variant. Yes. The M3 variant of that car today is probably worth around 60,000 more. So 100%. that's one of those cars where 100%. you would have paid a little bit, but yeah. you would have got way more at the back end of the deal. It's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that—that's still a great engine. That six cylinder, it's a twin turbo, three three liter six cylinder. No, these are before the. Oh, turbos. it's before the turbos. Yeah, yeah right. Yes, yes. Turbos, going back to yeah. oh, two thousand two. It's E forty six. Yes, of course. The street six. Even still, I love that car. The E forty six. I really car. do. And regarding the uh, misfire, very common on these cars is generally the ignition coils and the spark plugs, which are pretty inexpensive. So you can get that car back on the road very quickly yeah now he's also said that he's looking for a mercedes s-class um of the second most recent shape so i guess we're going back what one generation two generations ago um without getting in it he said by looking at the photo is there a way to tell from a vin number or some other guaranteed sign that they are a long wheelbase um now that so that uh, sorry this is from 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 alistair rather has uh has Texting him with that one. Um, we're merging. We're blending. Yes, we're blending. Messages. I've got, got another message here from, from Alistair. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Alistair, very, my, my experience, very quickly, the way to tell the long wheelbase S-Class is in the length of the rear door. Yeah, exactly. And and how far. Also, with some cars, it cuts into the C-pillar around the, the rear wheel arch. But if you see them side by side, you'll see that the, uh, the, the, the length of the rear door is where they put yeah. the extra space in because you get more rear legroom. You know, it's funny. Some, it, sometimes it's not obvious as you may think, but then when you actually just sit side by side and jump in from one to the other, then mm. you think, oh, wow, there's a difference. Yeah. But like with the recent Range Rovers, I had a friend of mine who pulled up and he's like, oh, I'll go on your Range Rover. And I was like, well, not new. This is a few years ago. I was like, oh, that's nice. It's a long wheelbase. He's like, is it? He didn't even know himself because yeah. he, I think the best way to tell for sure is to jump in the back seat and you'll know straight away, right? You know, all yeah. the extra leg room and things like that. Uh, unfortunately, there is no way to tell from the VIN number on the particular S-Class. Like, nah. I know there's like little different ways, you know, the VIN numbers, you know, there's VIN decoders and things like that online where if you type in the VIN number, you know, you almost certainly can tell which factory the car was built in, you know, the year of manufacture, things like that, the serial number, which is usually the last six digits and the engine variant. Um, but you wouldn't get information like whether it's a long wheelbase or not, unfortunately. No. I mean, with, with some cars right at the top end of town, we're talking Bentley and Rolls-Royce, they they just put increments in the wheelbase right the way along. So the front door is marginally longer. <laughs> the, the B pillar is a little bit thicker. The C pillar is a little bit longer. So it keeps it in perspective. But with the majority of cars, mm. you'll find that it's all in the rear door. And you'll, you'll see either with the longer glass or you'll also see that the rear, the, the rear door, how it sort of hooks up over the rear wheel. Yeah. On the short wheelbase, it's right on the on the wheel arch. With the longer wheelbase, there's a bit of a gap of about yeah, five yeah. inches or yeah, so. Yeah, so that that's a pretty easy way to check that. Now, now the reason why I got those messages mixed up is because uh, Alistair also dropped in a message just before that, and he was talking about what we were talking about before the break: the new Land Cruiser and the new Patrol. He's not a fan on the new ones. He said he waited for them to come out and um, said that he's uh, he's not uh, really keen on the looks. And I guess that's the thing with some people. But it's a very subjective thing, though, isn't it? How disappointing is that waiting three, four, five years <laughs> <laughs> to get a new shape car that it comes up for, for you to be disappointed? Um, really disappointing. Yeah, but that's yeah. Looks are subjective. Yes, what, what what's one person loves, another person doesn't. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah Alistair, unfortunately for that one. Now another message has come through from from Rahman. Um, and he said, good morning. He has a 2017 Tesla Model X. It's black, uh, having the performance with, has a ludicrous mode, seven seats, and it's now done 60,000 kilometres. 
looking for an idea on the selling price of uh, of the Model X Tesla. What's what's your experience with uh, with resale on Teslas? Yeah, really good actually. I mean, mm-hmm. the last year they really jumped up. I mean, this car is worth fifty thousand dollars more than it was worth this time last year. So that just Incre- goes to incredible. Show. Having said that, uh, the new Teslas now, I believe, have gone into uh, the. They've dropped the prices on them, and they've had a lot more availability come in. So just just to show you how dynamic the market is, just three months ago, Tesla Model Ys were selling at premium. So you couldn't get hold of one at the dealership and the Model 3s, and you'd pay more just to get your hands on one to jump the queue. Now, all of a sudden, they've got an influx of stock, and they dropped the pricing. So things really, really change. You have to keep your finger on the pulse. Mm. Going back to Raman's car, the only thing I'd ask is in 2016 and 17, there were a lot of U.S. imports that came in. Yeah, and yes, the, there were. It's the same car, it drives yeah. the same. The discrepancy is the charger, right? So the charger yep. is different. So think of USB-C versus, you know, lightning cable, which could be a bit of a pain, you know, because you can't charge in the malls and things like that. You know, assuming it's a GCC, uh, GCC <laughs> spec car, uh, I'd say it's still worth around $220,000. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, really. And uh, if it was an American spec car, I'd knock around 30,000 dirhams off. But the right buyer who wants a Tesla Model X, I mean, when you think about the Model X, it's an incredible car. It's a seven-seater. Yeah. I don't know how they fit seven seats in such a, such a compact body, right? I mean, mm. it's, a, it's comparable to most saloons. It's very easy to drive and things like that. Um, and I don't see this car depreciating either, to be honest, with the Falcon doors and things like yeah. that. It, I don't see this car going below 200 anytime soon. Fix it. Or flip it. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth, and this is how it works. Give us the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app, as Isaac is doing, waiting on the line. And uh, I'm joined, of course, also by Naz Chowdhury, who's live in the studio, ready to take your calls. So get onto that one. But we'll take, uh, we'll go to Isaac firstly. Isaac, thank you for uh, for hanging on to the line. Good morning. Hi. Uh, good morning. Hi. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for holding on there. Uh, now, you're looking for some interesting information about uh, the Volvo XC90 that you own. Is that, that, that's correct? That's right. So, okay. I'm just checking. Um, uh, this is a 2008 model. I've been having it for the last um, four, I mean, four, four or five years. Uh, in fact, it's due for registration now. But um, it, it's done about 200K. But now the problem is um, uh, getting the spare parts. I mean, uh, once it goes for service, uh, the guys will be like, oh, we don't have these, we don't have these. Uh, this. So it's such a headache. I mean, they're asking. Um, that's hence my request, my, my question. You know, if you heard the call two weeks, two weeks ago, we had a similar call, I believe it was, from an XC90. And one thing we said is, you know, they're great cars, solid, I mean, really, really strong, but the, the, their downfall really is the availability of spare parts and the running costs. So even if you find the parts, they're not cheap. Isaac, may I ask what parts are you looking for in particular? Uh, I mean, I was doing a major service for things like an alternator. Um, oh, uh, that's heavy. So, you know, there are a couple of shops in Sharjah uh, where you can find parts, but they are not readily available. You know, having said that, because of the age of the car, you might have to look at used parts as well. I mean, you know, with the value of the car being around, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dirhams, and an alternator Alpha Tame being four and mm-hmm. a half, five thousand dirhams, you really need to weigh things up. Is it, is it worth buying new parts or not? I mean, for me personally, you know, if you've got one of these, you know, you know, Aramex or Shop and Ship or My US or one of these dropship PO boxes, um, yeah. you'd go on eBay US. You can buy an alternator for a couple hundred dollars. You know, it's around sixty, seventy dirhams a kilo to get that shipped over. And honestly, that's probably the easiest and most hassle-free and cost-effective way of doing things, just buying online. 
the reason I asked which part is obviously it depends on the part. I mean, with the Volvos, you know, they're notorious for the drive shafts, the CVs, the axle boots, but they're pretty big and bulky, so it's hard to, to import those. But with the smaller parts and parts under five kilos, you can always just uh, look at eBay, you know, online sites in, in Europe and US, and you can find the parts you're looking for. All right. I just, yeah, I mean, the eBay option has come out good often. Um, so that's um, one of the areas that uh, I think I'm getting a confirmation. Yeah, it, it's, mm. um, it, it's quite okay. Um, and uh, I think that makes, uh, makes sense. Yeah. The, the other thing, Isaac, too, if, if you are looking for an alternator, as, as Naz says, it, it weighs a bit, so it's going to add to the postage costs. If you do find it from a supplier that, that does supply some other Volvo parts, think about what you need for the car and start building a little package together, a little bundle of things, and that will bring that will actually uh, help with the postage costs. Yeah. And if there's other things you think, okay, a bit of preventative maintenance, okay, Break it's, it's not actually gone yet, but it's going to go in six months. Let's just get it now. If there is a, a an aftermarket Volvo supplier on on online on eBay somewhere, and just package a few things together and give give yourself a, a basket of things, that will help uh, even out the the, the the postage price yeah. of that one expense of that one heavy item, the alternator, and uh, and then you've got a few extra spares. To to, uh, to get you through when you get when when it all gets back here. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All the best. Brilliant, Isaac. All the best with that one. Now we're going straight now to uh, to Josh. Good morning, Josh. You're uh, you're another Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, driver. Yes, love my Jeep Grand Cherokee. Love it. So it's a 2015 model uh, V8. Tell us uh, tell us more about it. Well, yeah. So one of my main concerns is the air ride suspension. Right. I've already had to replace one of the the, the suspension parts and. Um, I'm worried about it, it, the rest of them, right? It, uh, it's pretty expensive, but I love this vehicle. I love all the bells and whistles on it. It's got about 125,000 miles or kilometers, and um, it's, it's been my go-to vehicle for, for all my adventures. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. And uh, you, you're saying here you've had a little bit of bodywork done. Um, uh, so you, you obviously you, you, you take it off-road. You've been using it off-road? Yes. Fantastic. Naz, what do you think about that? A, uh, the 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee, I believe. Yeah, I can make you feel better, Josh. It's a great car. And the, I'll give you a bit of good news first. I believe you wrote on the message that you paid a certain amount for it. Can I tell everyone what you paid for it? You may sure. might yeah, be listening. 78,000 dirhams. <laughs> yeah, that's a, um, yeah. The good news is you bought it at a time where you know the used car market was you know fairly flat. Um, there was plenty of availability uh, with new cars and new car dealerships and a lot of models are coming out. The landscape has really, really changed, Josh. So you'd be pleased to know your car's hardly depreciated. You can probably still get back late 60s, if not 70,000 dollars for your car. So when you think about 8,000 depreciation over 24 months, okay, you had to buy an odd shock absorber. It's still a good deal, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And going back to your suspension... Um, generally, these things should be changed in pairs. I don't know. Did you change just the one, or did you change a pair? Yeah, change just the one uh, on a budget. Ah, okay. Ideally, you should have done the pair. I mean, generally, if you change one side, the other side goes out like relatively soon because the pressures build up differently over time. Um, having said that, there are companies that can rebuild these shocks, and you can get like rebuilt ones with a warranty for a fraction of the price. I mean, you're looking at you know, 1,500 dirhams and things like that uh, per shock absorber to have them rebuilt with a year's warranty and things like that. So, you know, as cars get older, with yours coming up to eight years old now, time is 2015 is eight years old. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, always shop around for alternatives. Like, 
it's not just about going into the main dealer and say, you know, the first three, four years, you've got your warranty, you've got your service contract, it's a relative new car, of course, the main dealers you go to a place. But as with the previous caller with the Volvo, you have to be a bit more creative with the parts because the parts are not expensive for a Jeep. They're readily available. You're in the right region for it. You just need to shop around a bit and you can definitely get that car, you know, and shock absorbers for a lot cheaper than what you probably paid for your first one. Yeah, but here's the question. Uh, do Do I invest in a new car or uh, keep repairing this guy honestly these things are bulletproof the overland's a big v8 120,000 kilometers is nothing arguably it's just been running i don't see many running costs on this car over the next year or two if it's been run correctly but of course if you've got a nice budget to upgrade it's always nice to have a new car but from yeah. a from a sensible point of view this is a solid reliable car that will not depreciate much that will not cost much in terms of maintenance. And if it if it works and you're enjoying it, there's no particular need to make a change. Great, thanks. No problems. I hope that helps you, Josh. Thanks very much. Now, uh, we've also got a, a text message in talking about the, the, the Volkswagen Touareg, uh, a venerable car that's been around the region for a long time now, 2015. VW Touareg, haven't got a name on this one, but um, but uh, it's a it's the SEL model. It's white, 155,000 kilometres, and they think it's the top trim. What are your thoughts on the Touareg? Did uh, you get the year? Um, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. SEL. Yeah, it's one down. I think the top line was the R line at that That's point. That's it. Exactly. They had the R line. Yeah. And everyone had the R line was saying no. So this was before. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the all the same platforms. Everyone that had our line, like, this is a Porsche Cayenne. Exactly, the, same. the Q7. Yes, <laughs> and now you can add the uh, Lamborghini um, Urus. Urus to yes. that list, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a Touareg. All, all the got, same platform. So you drive a Touareg. I've got an Urus, but with a small engine. <laughs> um, going back to the Touareg, sorry, we just uh, digressed there. I'd say around forty to forty-five thousand dirhams. For okay, price, yeah, that's, that sounds quite reasonable. Um, Sticking with uh, with Volkswagens, but at the smaller end of the scale, we've got Assad on the line. Good morning, Assad. How are you? Very well, thanks. Now you've got uh, you've got a, a, a nice little car, the Golf GDI, a favourite that everyone loves. But uh, but you've you've brought this one from it's a US spec, is that right? Yeah, I got it. I got it from somewhere here. They already drove they drove it for a hundred thousand, and I bought it off them for like thirty thousand. But it's a US spec. Okay, so you're now saying it's had 110,000 kilometres on it, US spec, and you're looking to, uh, to, just to get a figure, you're looking to sell, is that correct? Yeah, uh, I'm getting some problems with the engine, With uh, so I'm trying to see, should I fix it up? Should I get a new engine, or should I just get rid of it now at this point? Good question, Assad, and uh, thanks for the call. Honestly, with the American spec cars, it's very, very difficult. Um, most of the cars that have come into the region from America, I'm not saying all, but a great majority have some hidden history um, some accident history and things like that. There's a very, very easy way of checking. Of course, you can just go to the Carfaxes of the world in the US and check yourself. Uh, failing that, you can just get the VIN number, check it into Google, click on yeah. images, and you can see if there's any, you can see what the car used to look like when it was on the auction lot being sold from the insurance company, right? Um, right. Assuming, assuming it's not got any history like that, it's still worth around 25% less than a GCC car, which puts it around 25 to 28,000 dirhams. I said, my, my recommendation to you would be, instead of spending 10, 15 grand towards a new engine, sell it, fire sale it, put it on Dubizzle real quick, you'll get buyers in no time, uh, add 10, 15,000 to your budget and just get a newer Golf GTI because they're incredible cars and there's no point in just throwing money into this, throwing money into this, sell it, whatever money you were going to throw into this, use to upgrade to the new model. I think that's the way I'm going to go for it. It's a no-brainer, yeah. But and the GTI is a lovely car, so I don't want to get rid of it. 
So uh, thank you. I appreciate that input. No, no problems whatsoever. All the best. And like I said, do bizzle. There are plenty of buys out there for a car like this. Like your phone will not stop ringing. <laughs> That sounds good. It gives you a little confidence to put it on there. Yeah, yeah, good luck, good luck. Make sure you take some nice pictures, present it well. Uh, it's very, very important with the with the advertising. You know, people just want to get an advert out of the way. But just drive down to a car wash, 35, 40 dirhams, even 20 dirhams in the petrol in the uh, in the malls. Uh, take it outside yeah. somewhere, good background, 10, 15 clean shots, all four corners, interior shot, write a nice description of the car. It really makes a difference. Ah. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks, no problem. I hope that helps you, uh, Assad, and uh, all the best with that. Fix it or flip it. And this is what we need from you. The details of your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, everything. Send them to 4001 or via the ARM Play app. And we're going to go straight now to the lines because we've got Burek on the phone. And uh, Burek, thank you for holding on uh, during, during that break. No worries. It's a good afternoon, gentlemen. It's nice to be on. Appreciate it. Now you've got a you've got a nice car here. You've got a 2015 BMW M6 Grand Coupe. Uh, now you say you've modified a few little bits to it. Tell us about what you've done to this car. So actually, I, I bought it the way it is. Uh, it, it only has a modified exhaust, uh, but otherwise it's stock. I bought it at 111,000 kilometers last May, and I'm at 130,000 kilometers right now. Uh, it's a bit of a dream car. I don't plan to sell it soon. My question is a bit different. Um, you know, with the V8s and things uh, disappearing as the years and months go by, uh, what kind of values do you think these cars may go up? Do you think the M6 Grand Coupe is one of those that, uh, that might be you know, special enough that it goes up in value? Uh, I can tell you what I bought it for uh, at 111,000 kilometers a couple of months ago. It was around 150,000 AED. Yeah. Um, so just getting your, your curiosity. I mean, I did rod bearings and things recently. I am looking after it. Uh, she is a beaut, but of course, you know, at some point, costs will go get you know higher and higher. Do you think these these cars will go up uh, more in value? Yeah, good question, Barack, and thanks for holding. So it's a really interesting one because, in theory, what you're saying is 100 percent right, and it will play out. But this is a long term play. Um, you know, the M series of of BMW and the RS series of of um, Audi and the GT Audi. series of Porsche always go up. I mean, it's an absolute no-brainer. So if you look at the, the you know, the M series from, you know, the older M6, uh, the, I think it was called the E24. If you look at the M3, the original M3, even the E36s and the E46s, they're all climbing up. But this is a little bit too soon. I mean, generally they say with, with all of these cars, um, you know, you're looking at 10 to 15 years for the novelty to wear off, the full level of depreciation to kick in. Um, Right. And then people start appreciating the cleaner cars, handpicking the ones that have been looked after. And after 12 to 15 years, the right cars start appreciating again. And this will definitely start appreciating again after 15 years. I mean, there are some differences as well as the production numbers grew a lot more than they did back in the day. But if you keep this car well in good condition, yep. then you know the long-term game, you want to pass it on to your son or, or, or drive it when you retire – it will definitely retain a value, but it will dip between now and then. So that's one thing to bear in mind. In terms of today's pricing, it hasn't lost any value from when you bought it for. In fact, you can probably be cheeky and ask for 159, put it on Dubizzle, some nice pictures, and you'll probably get that simply because there's just not that many out on the market. I hope that answers your question. Oh, that does, that does. I mean, I don't plan to sell her anytime soon. Uh, and, you know, maybe one day if, if the finances make sense, I could have a second car so she's not my daily. But, yeah, that's important uh, to keep the kilometers down. Bit, you know? Yeah, and, and the last yeah. thing you did say, and I say this to, to a lot of people out there as well, 
is what you're saying is right in terms of the V8 engine, and this is a dying breed now. So you know, people that have got any generation Mercedes 63, you know, the the, the proper full fat AMGs, the V8s, yeah. you know, BMW V8s, Audi V8s, the right ones, especially the Audi V10 for me, like a V10 yes. Audi. That's yeah. a Galado engine, right? And you it can is. buy an S8 for yeah. what thirty, forty thousand dollars. <laughs> That is going to go up someday, you know, the right ones. You know, yep. Bang, loose and sound, the speakers come up. I mean, it's an incredible car. Uh, but again, look how long it's taken for people to start seeing that, the beauty in the S8. You know, S8 is seven years ahead yep. of this. And just like I said, it's at the bottom of that 15-year curve now. Yes. But give yep. the S8 a few years, they will start going up. Like the RS4, sorry, I can go on about this for ages. <laughs> the, the, the RS4s have just I'm gone crazy. <laughs> the B7s, the B7 RS4 has just yeah. shut up, hasn't it? Now Absolutely. It's, it's reached that age now where it's 15, 18 years old. I remember picking up an RS4 for 60,000 dirhams. Now, if you find one, you're paying double that. So look, you're on the right track. Wow. You've got a beautiful V8. Buy a second car to keep the mileage low on this. It might take a short-term hit over the next few years as people get bored of them, but it will definitely creep back up again. Sounds good. Much appreciated. I love your show, guys. Thank Brilliant, you. Absolute Brad. pleasure, Brad. Thanks so much Thank for the you. call. Great, great chat. Uh, now we're going straight now to uh, to Mohammed. Uh, Mohammed, uh, good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Now you're looking for a second car now, I understand. Um, give us an idea of what your requirements are. So I have a Wrangler uh, that I use on a daily basis, but I want something slightly more comfortable and uh, smaller, uh, obviously. But I have a bad taste from uh, the Germans in the past, like the Volkswagen and uh, the BMWs. So mm. I'm looking for something slightly more reliable, but that's, uh, fun to drive. Not crazy power. It doesn't have to be an M or something, but at least uh, fun to put into corners and whether it's a coupe or a hot hatch or something like that. And the 70,000 dirham range, what do you recommend? Yeah, go for it, Naz. You've got an idea. Honestly, like I, I'm, I'm <laughs> smiling, but I'm cautious because you said you had a bad experience with the German cars. But I just encourage yeah. you to do one thing: go on to do Bizzle, look for a Golf GTI, and just take one for a test drive. Yeah, just because there's nothing else that hits that box in terms of you know reliable. You, you mentioned one thing that made me smile, which is handling around corners, right? I mean, the Golf GTI is like it's on train tracks. Um, Golf GTI, like hands down, if I've got that kind of budget and I want a little car to take me around and have some fun as well. I don't know what your thoughts mm -hmm. are. Well, I mean, how bad was your experience with the German stuff? <laughs> well, I had exactly the same engine, which is the two liter. TFSI, from, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, from them, but on the Tiguan, uh, it was it's ah. a superb car, like you said, to uh, drive and everything. But when something goes wrong, it, uh, it's really expensive uh, to fix. But I like I, I, I'm also going to go with Naz here, Mohammed, unfortunately for you, and, and go with a German example. But I'm thinking of something <laughs> now, and I'm thinking of a, not, not so much of a hot hatch, you say coupe as well, um, that I think is really good value right now. And that's the, the BMW E92, the 335i coupe. Oh, okay. I mean, that's a twin turbocharged six-cylinder engine. It's a, it's a, a half to a third of the price of the equivalent M3. Um, and you, you will get that in that budget, you're saying around about 70K. Um, beautiful car for long distance driving and performance galore. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really. And if you get bored, you can remap them, put an exhaust on, and get an extra 100 brake horsepower, like really quick. Mm. Really quick. Yeah, so so not not sort of go down the path of the M badge cars. Just the 335i yeah. um, is, uh, is is a delightful car, and it, and, and it has more performance than the previous M badge cars by a long shot. With the yeah, remap, it's actually better performance than the M3. Yeah, like, that's how <laughs> crazy it is, right? <laughs> Uh, yes. Okay, thank you, guys. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. No, good idea. I'll uh, do that then. Brilliant. Well, Thank you, Mohammed. All the best Thank with that. You. All the best with that one, Muhammad. And uh, yeah, well, there you go. That's been a, that's been a uh, a very busy morning back behind the microphone. Naz Chowdhury has been talking about all things to do with uh, with fix it or flip it. Thank you uh, so much again. No, absolute pleasure. Good to have you back. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your plans car wise this weekend. You, you you going to do anything special? Yes, I just got myself a, a Hummer H1. Oh, really? spec, yeah. Hey. So it's with the CTIS, the tire inflation system and things like that. So I'm going to find a bit of sand and uh, go crazy. <laughs> go, and, go and kick up some sand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>